Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. And uh, Myers even baked the bread himself. So that's why it tastes so good. So uh, you may take your Bibles and go to chapter 8 in Matthew, continuing, continuing our s- sermon series in Matthew. And uh, yeah, it's interesting how things work together without us not really talking about it a lot. Um, so um, if you are, if you remember from last time uh, what happened, then we're just we're going to continue from them. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus had just calmed the storm. He just showed he's the Lord of nature. Uh, and the the disciples are in doubt. They're like, who is this person? Like the weather, the waves, they obeyed him. We're going to see the answer from a highly unlikely side today. Um, but that's going to be as we read through. So, um, so yeah, you can go to, um, to Matthew 20. It, not 28, but 8.28. And then we will read through 8. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed demon men met him. Coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. Behold, they cried out, what, do you, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us into the pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank and into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and they saw him. And they begged for him to leave their region. And getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, for your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves this man is blaspheming but Jesus knowing their thoughts said to them what do you think why do you think evil in your hearts for which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to them the paralytic rise pick up your bed 
and go home. And he rose and went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, whom have given such authority to men. Amen. It works. In, attempt, in an attempt to, to save the paper, I have now my notes on an iPad. So I saved like two pieces of paper. But it took me a long time to figure out how to, how to work. <laughs> um, some, uh, now I'm just not going off this. But, but did, you, did you catch a few words here? Uh, you, you also, the <laughs> although my headline was, Jesus, please leave us alone. Like we we have that twice. We have we have the 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 um, the demon possessed people. Like, oh please, Jesus, don't torture us. Please send us into the pigs. And then you have the then we have the other people there. Like, Jesus, please leave. I don't know if those are passages where you are teaching on prayer, but. Uh, but it, they are praying. They're just like, please leave us alone. And the same, the same, in the same, in the same word, afraid. The demons are afraid. They know who Jesus is. And the people that see Jesus heals that man by a word, they are afraid. So Jesus, please leave us alone because we are afraid of you. Maybe that's not how Jesus is described many times, but that's how he impacted these people and these demons. So like I said, the answer of who Jesus is comes from a very unlikely place. The demons have no problem with their uh, knowing who Jesus is. One pastor said, if you want to see clearly in the gospel who Jesus is, look at what the demons say. They are, pr- they are 100% right all the time when they talk about Jesus. They are not in doubt. His disciples have seen him do many miracles. They're still trying to figure out who he is. When Jesus shows up, the demons are screaming. Why did you show up, O Son of God? Some people say that Christology is 100% correct. They are in no doubt, but they are in great fear because they know who he is. It's also interesting to see how Jesus comes there. You know, he he has just come, <laughs> he's just come the storm. He he just arrives at the place, and then you <laughs> you have him coming to this area where nobody wants to go because these people are so possessed by demons that they live in graves, and nobody wants to go to this place. So the the town's people are afraid of those two people living out there. They don't even want to go there. They don't want to even gonna go near there. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just sometimes it's interesting to imagine, like Jesus getting out the boat, uh, getting off the boat, you know, and then all of a sudden there's these two guys that lived in caves and screamed and cut themselves and all sorts of things, and they come out and they start yelling at Jesus. 
Why have you come here? Have you come here to torment us, O son of God? Man, he just came off the boat. He was so tired last time he was sleeping. But I guess that's what it, how it's lived to be Jesus sometimes. It's, you don't really decide all the time. Um, and then, then we, we have to talk about, we have to talk a little bit about what they say. Because uh, <laughs> in Myers' description of Jesus, there was not a lot about where he torments people. Jesus loves everyone. <laughs> yeah, he's going to torment some people. Uh, no, but this is, this is interesting to see how, how, the, how the demons know exactly who he is. And they are terrified of who Jesus is. And we see the rest of the people in this chapter, they're also afraid of Jesus. It's interesting and, and, and slightly confusing for us, I think, as well, to see how the demons can be so, so clear in who Jesus is, so afraid of him, but they have no room for repentance. In the spiritual world, when they rebelled against God, they cannot repent for some reason. In, the, in God's mysterious way, I don't know how that works, but they can't. They just know that when their time comes, that's what they're going to get because of their rebellion. And then you get back to like, how much have God loved us? That we have a chance to repent and come to Jesus. With these figures, they don't. They live in all fear that Jesus is going to come and in the end he will torment them for their rebellion. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid that and it's funny, it's interesting because they have like, apparently they have some kind of internal clock that they, none of us knows when this happens. But the demons are like, hey, it's, it's not, it, I don't think you're supposed to be here now. It, it, it seems like you've come too early. Uh, you come before time to torment us. I, don't, I think it's unfair, Jesus. So they have this kind of clock of when, when they they know that Jesus is going to come back. Like we talked about the blessed hope, we just talked about we're knowing we're do communion. We come back when he comes back. They will be judged. The demons are also afraid. Of like the demons have possessed these men and made their life a living hell on earth. Isolated, living in tombs, cutting themselves, screaming out, yelling out, being isolated, being weird. The families had nothing to do with them. They're like the the, the city's townspeople is glad that they live out in the tombs. They have tormented these people. Now they are not so happy about being asked to leave the two people that they have tormented so they say to Jesus they like see looking at Jesus <laughs> he's going to do something isn't he the demons talk to themselves he's going to ca- he's going to cast us out of these people he probably loves these people he's going to clean them up he's going to help them he's going to heal them what are we going to do we need to find a new place to live and so the, uh, Jesus um but I, you don't you don't eat bacon 
you don't uh, you don't probably don't even like pigs and uh, I know there's plenty of pigs over there so we've taken a vote and we would like you to put us into those pigs it's the interesting thing with Jesus is he, he didn't really talk much to them he just says go imagine the men at this moment almost started to cry these men that has been severely oppressed by these evil beings as Jesus tells them all to go into the pigs those men are totally restored their mind is returned they are totally sane again realizing that they have they have been robbed of life for a long time living in the graves tormented by them and tormenting even themselves the the wreck that the demons had done to them they stand healed the focus is here is the and my kids at least Sadie she thinks this is a funny story I do, I do too I looked at the pictures but it got a little too bit weird seeing all the pigs just flying off the cliff there but um, and also like demon pigs and Jesus you can look it up on Google but it, it's uh, it just gets a little bit too weird but and so, so Jesus says go and they go they run into the pigs and then the pigs commit suicide by running off a steep hill and drowning and 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 can you take the one uh, quote about that? <laughs> um, it's one of the quotes. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's where we are. They sailed from Capernaum, then they're over on the other side down here in that area over there. If you take yeah, the next slide, it, they're Gatherath. This slide, this this slide, in the spelling, there's some issues, but don't worry about that. Uh, if you go to the next one, uh, not that one, the, the quote one. If you keep going, yeah. No, we're longer able to continue their destructive and violent work in the lives of the two men. The demons beg for permission to enter the herd of pigs, where the demons, deceptive and murderous nature was clear displaying in the senseless destruction of the entire herd here's a pure picture of Satan's ultimate aim for the world destruction because to take the next one that's also a good one it shows what Satan does for man robs him of his sanity his self-control fills him with fears, robs him of his joys, and his ho- of his home and his friends, and as possible condemns him to eternity of judgment. It also reveals what society does for a man in need: restrains him, isolates him, threatens him. But society una- is unable to change him. See then what Jesus can do for a man whose whole life, within and without, is bondage in battle. What Jesus did for these two dear nomoniacs he will do for anyone else who needs him. The beauty of Jesus taking the time to go over the lake and this is all Jesus is going to do is to come and heal those two men. Compassion and mercy he has on them 
And they are not even Jews. We're in a pagan region, which you may know from the, from the, all the pigs. But then there's a small issue of the people there. If you go back to just uh, the, the slides again. Because um, it's not going to go over well, over well with the pig herders. Because Jesus, they would perceive that Jesus just killed up to 2,000 of their pigs. And they might be, okay, the Jews don't eat bacon, but we do. So it's pretty annoying that the 2,000 pigs is on the, uh, in the lake. And the pig herders run into town and they said, and, and first we can like, first we can maybe be encouraged because all these people are coming out to Jesus. So we're like, whoa, they're all going to come see who Jesus is. But no. Because they're afraid. They're afraid of Jesus. Although he has healed these two people, set them free, the 2,000 pigs did die, but it wasn't really Jesus, it was the demons. But the response is where maybe also we have to start thinking a little bit. They beg him to leave. Jesus, please leave us. And so why? Why would they say, Jesus, leave? You know, they just, he's just rescued and healed those people. Why would they say, why would they want to come to him? And why are they afraid? Like, he, 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 he healed them. I mean, yes, we can't argue that they lost a lot of income. And what if, he can, what if he's going to continue to, to take our income by <laughs> casting out demons and different things? What if he's just going to ruin us financially? Or what about the power of him? If he can make those people sane that we were convinced was insane and was beyond help, what is he going to do to us? could also see that they could also be that they see Jesus as holiness and he exposes their darkness as Jesus, as John writes in Matthew 17 8 in 8 3 18 19ish where the light of the world came into the world but the deeds of men were evil so they ran into the darkness Jesus is holiness be exposing us and them when we are confronted with who he is. And Jesus interrupts their lives. <laughs> he shows out of the boat. Everything is fine, you know. Yes, those two weirdos live out in the graveyard, but we learn to live with that. We just don't go there. He comes and interrupts their lives and be like, okay, he also kind of destroys the pigs, but I mean, <laughs> so he's definitely interrupting their lives. And then, then they're like, okay, Jesus, we know you're powerful, you're somebody, but if you just leave and we can have things back as we had no before, we think that's better. You d- just leave, just leave. They beg him to leave. But what about you? 
do you sometimes? I know you won't. You wouldn't say this, of course, because you are from you are church people. So you wouldn't say, "Yes, I often tell Jesus to leave me alone." <laughs> and, and but but maybe we, we do. We're in the middle of praying, you know, talking to God. Jesus interrupts us, tells us to do something. We're like, "Can you leave me alone? I'm praying." Or you get this thought about, hey, may, maybe I should just, you know, check on how Marius is doing. And like, okay, oh, stop it. I mean, I'm so focused, you know. Or I'm, I'm like, okay, can you just leave me alone? I'm doing things for the church. I don't have time to talk to that person that you're asking me to talk to. I don't have... What do we do when Jesus interrupts us? When it's not really convenient that he asks us to do something? Do we, with maybe not on purpose, but slightly on purpose, say, can you just leave me alone so I can do what I want to do? And if you're religious, it's kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing your work, so please leave me alone. <laughs> I know it sounds dumb, but I, I don't know, maybe I've experienced that, that I do that. So maybe that's something just to consider. And also the second part, what about when Jesus exposes us? What about the times when we see how holy Jesus is? How did you feel when I was talking about what's going to happen to the demons? That they are so afraid of Jesus? That they are like, oh son of man, have you come to torment us? When Jesus exposes us in our sin, how do we relate to him? Do we run away into the darkness or do we come to him and say, Jesus, I, I need you or beg him to leave? One of the things that I get most frustrated about, and I probably have to grow in that, <coughs> is when some theological circles would say, you know, I don't have to give up my sin, you know. Jesus died so I could have my sin. No, he did not. He died so you don't have to be a slave to your sin. That's what he did. Because sin will always destroy us. That's just what the text said. What will Satan do? And what can we sometimes do ourselves? We can destroy ourselves by doing things that are sin and a chaos in us and we destroy us but what happens when Jesus shines his lights on us in your prayer time in your reading of the Bible when, when last, last week we talked about it's the CT scan of our heart and mind like where are we when Jesus confronts us with these questions I would ask that we all run to him instead of run away from him because we know we cannot run away anyway. But it's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. And instead of like, leave me alone, Jesus. Be, Jesus, please come near. I don't understand. I need your help. I actually don't want to do this and I, I need your help in this weakness. I am trusting myself. I am relying on somebody who's not you. Please, help. 
May I trust in you, have faith in you instead of asking you to leave me alone. I have a long note on the pigs and hyper animal righteous uh, thing. I I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna skip that. But if you're interested, I have lots of things to say about the whole thing. The short, very short part is when a society starts saying that animals and plants have the same value as people. That's a sign of brokenness. Men and women, humans, are created the image of, in the image of God. The others are not. That means that animals act by instinct. Animals are not held spiritually and morally accountable, but humans are. That's part of being created in the image of God. So therefore, when sometimes... Uh, Mostly it's places that are really rich, but <laughs> uh, that value of animals and plants become higher or more, or people would say, oh, it's the same thing killing an animal and plant than a human, and also eating them at the same time. It's a sign of depravity and that something has gone terribly wrong. I'm not asking... I'm not telling us telling people to, m- but what is called abuse animals or abuse people who have these views. They definitely need Jesus just like us. But it, I think it's a clear sign that something has gone really wrong when those comparisons are made that humans are the same as an animal or as a plant. If you want more rant on that, you can talk to me about that. Yeah, like I said, Jesus, he travels to meet those two men. He endures, he, I mean, he endures a storm with his disciples to free those men from pain and suffering. He travels to show mercy to those two men who has been bound by those demons. He didn't go for the pigs. He went for the people. Jesus didn't come to save the animals from their sin, but he came to to restore the humans to God that was made in God's image. Again, Jesus was asked to leave by the other people. What response do we have to Jesus? Jesus responds kindly. He just said, okay guys, I'm... I healed the two guys and you don't have any interest we're going to sail back as a disciple I'd be like Jesus is like we just came over that thing and we almost all just died yeah we're going back thank you Jesus um, no but Jesus doesn't fight with the people he just sails back to Capernaum which can be confusing it says it's his city but it's the city where he went after his baptism and then this is a famous, uh, famous, uh, what do you call it? A famous, famous story that 
I don't know, again, I'm thinking Jesus just gets off the boat and all of a sudden these four people come carrying with this person. And Matthew doesn't talk about, hey, they're gonna tear about, tear down the house so they can get in. Matthew's more like, we gotta get to the point. It's about the healing of this leper. Uh, not leper, the healing of the par- paralytic, paralytic leper, yeah. And, and so, so when we look at the text, um, and maybe you've heard this a thousand times before. He's again. Jesus is super kind and and mild to this lame, uh, to this paralytic man, and he he says, "Take heart, my son." So it's a it's a very. So it's not like it's not like because he's a boy. It's it's a it's it's he's a man. But it's a it's like when he says daughter to the lady who he pulls him in the back of his coat. So it's a term of endearment. It's like take heart, like my son. And then he says. Um, Your sins are forgiven. And the guy on the thing is like, oh, thanks. I'm still lying here paralyzed. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's what he was thinking. But nothing really happens other than, than Jesus just showing this guy so much compassion because he's still lame. But he does take care of the core core thing that he had a problem with sin and why does he do that well if you jump back it's like Jesus doesn't see the man on the mat's face he sees the face of the four dudes who brings him he brings him there and he sees their faith and then he says he, he saw their faith and he said to the paralytic take heart my son your sins are forgiven he saw the faith of the friends and then he said your sins are forgiven then I wrote like boom wow that's amazing <laughs> again we are confronted with our faith or lack of faith well, like, what, what about this man he doesn't he might not even have faith but his friends did I was just thinking, I don't know, I was thinking, man, that's so, just such so hard, you know, it's so difficult to, to act and live like that. And then I was like, but really, that's what most of us experienced. That when we did not have faith, somebody else did. They brought us to Jesus. So we could, most of us could walk there but somebody took us. Somebody had faith that God would intervene in our lives. Four people or how many many people, one person took you to church and their faith was there when yours weren't there. I just thought it was so beautiful because I was like, okay, maybe this seems like so way out of there. I don't know if I could do that. And then just being reminded, but that's 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 how all of us come to know 
because somebody else has faith. We don't come to Jesus when we have faith ourselves, but somebody else brings us because they had faith. Somebody gave us a Bible. Somebody prayed with us. Somebody prayed for us. Somebody else's faith is what sometimes brings other people to faith because we don't go to ourselves when we have no faith. So I just thought it was a little more down to earth that, yeah, that's what happens. That's what, that's what happened to us. Somebody else had faith. They prayed for us. They, they wanted us to know. They believed that Jesus could save us when we were lost. I think in this case instead of being because I don't know so far like it's been kind of intimidating you know the faith of the the leper guy who comes up and it's like if you want you can heal me and then you have the centurion you're like Jesus just say a word my guy dude he'll be healed my servant and then also the the, 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 he just heals Peter's mother-in-law but then you see, I know you see these friends they drag the guy there they're just showing the faith in Jesus and I think in a practical level that's how we live out our lives we show other people you might not have faith but we do we believe when we pray that he can turn our hearts turn hearts to him so I was just so encouraged I hope you're encouraged in the same way to live out our lives for Jesus then other people can come to know I think that's what Jesus is saying he sees the other people's faith and he acts on it he forgives the man's sins and then we have some funny things that happen because the smart people in the room they say <coughs> In their minds, they say that. That's also a cool part. It gets this prompt response when Jesus, when when Jesus heals, uh, he forgives the man's sins because then the scribes that know the scriptures they say, ha 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 ha, ha. That is blasphemy because there's only one that can forgive sin, and that is God. And so I, we have to give them credit, the scribes. They are right. Only God can forgive sin. But they chose to, I mean, they, 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 they choose the obvious path because it is not all, it's not all the time God is in front of you healing people or, or forgiving people's sin. So they say he's a blasphemer. And so they do that in their own minds, <laughs> it says. Maybe talking a little bit of group. <laughs> and here comes the scary part. Jesus is like, hey, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Talking about being afraid. <laughs> uh, I, was, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking evil. What do you mean, Jesus? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Jesus knows what they're thinking. And he confronts them with their thoughts. Why do you? Why are you talking? Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? It's got to be a scary moment, huh? You're in a meeting. 
the guy here up front, he's like, hey, I, don't, I wouldn't be thinking that if I was you. That's a bad, that, no, 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 don't go there. And what about you? You do know Jesus knows this all the time, right? It's not just in this moment. He knows what's on our minds all the time. Is that scary? Well, depends on what we think about, right? But I think I had another slight revelation that is, that is good. And I think we should encourage each other in that. Because the thoughts that are evil are not good is exactly what Jesus wants out of our minds. So there's comfort in comfort for us that Jesus knows everything we think about. Because then we think about that, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that way. And Jesus would be like, no, you shouldn't. Because that's not my mind. Get that out of your head. So it's encouragement. It's how we get a mind of Christ is by He knowing our thoughts. Because then we can be confronted with our own thoughts and be like, no, uh, oh yeah, Jesus, you know also right now I want to kill this person. I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to do that because you died for other people, me and that person. So I would like to take that thoughts back and not think like that. It, it's not... It's uh, sometimes my examples get a little bit extreme. It could also be less than killing other people. But whatever I am thinking, that is not what I would like Jesus to think I'm thinking, is a help for us to be like, oh, my thoughts should be surrendered to Jesus because he knows them. And a way to renew my mind to have Jesus' thoughts. Project's going to take a while until he comes back. But it's meant to lead us into life, to have the mind of Christ. And not like to be scared. Like, oh no, now I thought wrongly. Was, oh Jesus, sorry I thought wrongly. Please help me with that. To freedom and a Christ-like mind then back and I, I again like sometimes I, I think I've done this too little but just imagine this room the dude might have come down from the ceiling by his friends you know the, Jesus is right in front the guy's laying there still he's got his sins forgiven he's probably slightly confused the other friends are like yeah I like this is great and then you have the scribes in the one corner they're like he's a blasphemer and then uh, this is where I have to be careful because I have a certain tendency so I might have that tendency be like Jesus. So so be like for me it's like Jesus just gets up you guys are morons like and and say like you know what's easiest you stupid people like what's the easiest thing should I just say that this guy his sins forgiven or get up and walk. Maybe and I don't think Jesus was as snide as that but I do think he's like he probably didn't have glasses either since he was perfect. But he, he so he'd probably take off his glasses. But he, and maybe he didn't really have glasses at that time. But um, <laughs> I'm slightly off track. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is like, let's not make Jesus into like who we are. But look at this from a different perspective. 
He is making a point. But is Jesus' point to rub it in that they, are, they don't get it? Or is that it's even an invitation for them too? When he says, what's easier for me, is it easier for me to say, uh, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or raise up and walk? And then Jesus says, but that you may know that the Son of Man, not me, but Jesus, has authority to forgive sins. I will say, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Guy gets up, I think still slightly confused, picks up his bed, and goes home but they're all still there. This is a great invitation to even the people that don't like Jesus who just said that they're blasphemers. He says, I'm the son of man. And if you put the blue slide on, as we talked about last time, Jesus' Jesus's son of man reference from himself is from Daniel and other places. It's a notion that the Son of Man is not the Messiah, or is, is not the political Messiah, but he is a, he's a Messiah that's going to suffer and then be glorified. So in these visions, in Daniel, there's wars, there's all sorts of things, there's suffering first and then glorification. And so, so Jesus is saying, I am the Son of Man. I am not what you think I am, but I am the Son of Man. I will suffer first. And then I'll be honored, then I will be glorified. So Jesus is even inviting in the people who says he's blaspheming to come to him to say, What does Jesus say? He says, I am God. Because he says, I have authority to forgive sins. And he says that to his skeptics as well. So they are invited to come. So maybe he's not as snide as in my head. He's merciful and kind even to the ones that are after him. He lets them see the miracle that he can forgive sins and heal the guy. It results in them all getting really afraid. Again, they're like super afraid. Like they they go... And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid. This is a good fear, because what did they do? And they glorify God, who had given such authority to men. So they're again super afraid, like how can this man do this? How can he say he can forgive sins and have the authority to give sin, forgive sins? And they're afraid, they're in a good afraid, because what did they do? Glorify God for this miracle. What about us? <laughs> Again, like being in that room, you're seeing Jesus act like that. The disciples have seen him calm the storm. <laughs> They've just seen the demons call him the son of God. And now Jesus claims to have attributes that only God has. And we see 
demons being terrified of Jesus. We see the other, we see him heal with great compassion. The demons persist, guys. We see some people are very afraid and say, hey, go away, Jesus. And then we see him claim to be able to forgive sins. See the faith of the other people forgiving a man's sins and healing him and showing that to everyone there. That results in glorification of God. It's a picture of the gospel. When the men were so broken, nothing, no, nobody could have help. Then Jesus came and met them in their need, healed them, transformed them, and that's the offer for us every day. To come to Jesus and say, Yes, Lord, I want to follow. I believe. You're scary sometimes, but I believe you're great and good. It's kind of scary, you know, everything about me, everything I think. But it's a good thing because you want my mind changed. And I want to glorify you. That's the response I want us all to have. <laughs> but there's a different response. The different response is, Jesus, leave me alone. I don't care what you did. I don't even believe you did it. Yes, it's kind of scary that you're going to torture and torment demons and other people who reject you. But I don't care. You're a nuisance and you cannot interrupt my life. Again, I would appeal to you if you're in here, out there, don't do that. The Christian life is not a life of all all cake and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, get, I get some yeah, dance on roses or lauke or something. I get, it's not easy. But it's way better because we know Jesus knows everything about us. He's with us. And the biggest problem this man had was his sins. And that's the same problem we have. But God shows us, and that's back to Myers' video, He shows us His love for us. That He sent His Son to die on the cross, to rise again, that we can be reconciled to God. And He's coming back. come and turn you all of us are terrible gods I know we don't say that we are gods but we act like it and we're not very good at it we disappoint, disappoint ourselves so much all the time Jesus is a way better God sometimes people you know <laughs> sometimes people would like if sometimes non-Christians would be like you know what you, I can just wait you know until the day uh, like till like an hour before I die and then I can just repent like wh- why on earth would you do that like I became a Christian when I was 25 if I could have done it before I would have nothing has been as good as a life with Jesus has it been easy no do most of the people I know think I'm weird yes that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty true but we might be odd to many people um, 
Yeah, yeah, maybe it's not a good. I'm not trying to sell anything, but like, I, this is a time where I'm just uh, trying to stop me from saying other things that's weird. But no, I just Jesus is so much better. He seems scary sometimes. He's like really piercing. He knows there what's everything things that's going on, but it's good because he can help us. Um. Yeah, just run to Jesus instead of running away and hiding and being your own God. Um, yeah. Not a very elegant ending, but that's where we end. And then we'll pick it up next time when Matthew actually is going to be called as a disciple. So we have the author interacting in the text next time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Um, I pray you take away the weird things I said. Um... And Holy Spirit, that you would remind us about the things that you taught Jesus. I really do pray that you would impress on our hearts who you are, Jesus, and how as scary as you th- you look sometimes, that it's really to bring us closer to you. Um, yeah, help us to not help us not be our own gods and help us to not say can you please leave Jesus help us to welcome you so close all the time help us to really realize that you are in us the ones of us who call us believers Holy Spirit you're dwelling in us give us the boldness and courage to live out in faith and Jesus, can you post, could you plant in us like what those friends did? And you even realize our own stories of how many people have prayed for us and have tried us to add faith that we will believe? That you would open up our eyes? I pray that all we hear in is encouragement to follow you closer because of who you are and what you do. So I pray that you would do that in our hearts and minds, Jesus. And made it result in the praise of your glory as we saw that these people did, even though they were slightly afraid. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, I think you may stand for the benediction um, we have from today from Jude. So Jude writes in the end, uh, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. And so uh, don't run away. We have... uh,